Hello, this is Aubin Palmer and welcome to Everyday Thriving Business Success for Women. Listen to this podcast if you're ready to step into your full power as a woman running a business and stop using the models you've seen the men use. I want to help you learn how to go with the flow, use your intuition, and not hustle to create the business you want and thrive. Let's go. Hello, my friends. So good to be with you again this week. And today I have a guest with you. This is Britt Murdoch, my dear friend. Hi, Britt. Hi. And I'm so glad to have Britt because Britt and I actually started our coaching business together. And part of why I had to have her on this podcast is because we came up with the name Everyday Thriving together. We um, found it as the name for our coaching business. And I still remember sitting in her kitchen and looking on synonyms on Google and trying to figure out what we wanted to call it. And I loved the name so much. I was like, I need to use this for the podcast. This just expresses so much what I love to help people with in um, coaching and their business and knowing you really can thrive every day. And Britt and I no longer work together, but she had at the time and still does have a business called uh, Wasatch Nature School and it's a preschool. So tell a little bit about your business, Britt, and then we'll go into more about why she's here and what we're gonna talk about today. Yeah, thanks, Robin. Um, Yeah, I'm so glad you used the name because I feel the same way that thriving every day is the best way to live. So I think that having just putting that out into the world is what needed to be done with that name. So that's great. Um, Yes, my business is called Wasatch Nature School. Um, It was formed, let's see, in 2015. And it's now 2023. So we've been going strong for a little while. It's a nature education program. Um, And so it's intended for children ages three to 12, but primarily ages three to six. Okay. Yeah, we run a summer program for the older kids and we also run um, nature education programs during the year for small groups of older children up to the age of 12. But the majority of our kids are either preschool age or kindergarten age, and they're participating in nature education, being outside every day. So we have a location, like when we operate in different places, we actually like have land that we use, but we don't have a building. We don't have an indoor facility. So we're doing that. um, Yeah. Just year round and teaching kids how to really connect with what came first with the earth and with the things that are constant and beautiful and reliable and just things that make every kid better. And we've seen so many good things happen. Yeah. Oh, I just love, and um, both of my older girls went to Wasatch Nature School. Britt Brit is my neighbor too. And so I've watched her as she started this business and it's grown and just been so prosperous. And part of why I asked Britt to be on here today is because she is such a good example of this principle of everyday thriving because her business is not her life at all. And she has done such a good job of balancing it with other parts of her life. If, if you know her, she actually does foster care. And how long have you been doing that? Uh, for five years now, five years. Yeah. And so Brit is a great example of saying what I want, I will make happen. What I want to create, I have time to create because so many people think the excuse I hear so often of why people can't do things they're wanting is they don't have time. But Brit lives this of saying, I want to have this nature school. I want to have foster children. And she has her own two children as well. And she's 
she lives it. And so Britt, how would you say, as you started the school and have balanced everything, how have you always made it work that you live what you want? Um, I think that's a great question. I have not always been in balance. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of times we think, okay, we're going to figure this out. We're going to be balanced the whole time. But really it comes with like constant analyzation, just, hey, where am I off? Um, What can I do to get better? But the times that I have felt the most balanced um, have always been due to the boring, mundane daily repetitions. And when I have that, when I have my systems down, that's something I rely on heavily. So that's probably my biggest like superpower is relying on systems that I create and implement slowly and then stick to forever. That's beautiful. So if it's okay with you, I would love to look at kind of your journey of on your timeline of creating this business and then how you made decisions to grow it. Cause how many locations do you have now? We have two locations, um, one in Orem, Utah, it's vineyard area and one in Provo, Utah. And that's our main one. It's a big okay. one. Okay. Yeah. And so I remember when you started, you were just doing it in your own house, right? And then just kind of explain like how it grew and this, the whole process of your business evolution of where it is now. Yeah. Well, we started, I started the business because um, we had an incident up the canyon after we moved to Utah from Connecticut. We were just on a little family excursion and my husband stepped in a wasp's nest and we, all four of us just got inundated with wasp stings and it was a huge deal. Um, and it was really scary. And after that, my son, who at the time was three, was afraid of all little things, afraid of all the bugs, afraid of all the things. And he was also just like very reactionary and he had some sensory things that I was trying to figure out. And I noticed that he was happiest when he was outside, but now he was also reacting poorly to these little creatures because of this experience. And so that's kind of where nature school started is I, with him, did a lot of my own version of exposure therapy. I'm not a therapist, but just talked about how fascinating these little bugs and creatures are and how they sustain us as people and what would happen if we didn't have worms. And oh my gosh, look at how much bees do for us. And why did God even make mosquitoes? Why did he even make flies? <laughs> Those yeah. nasty things, you know. Um, and so that's kind of where it started. And then we both became hyper fascinated. We already liked being outside, but just so fascinated with all of lit- God's littlest creations, the mini beasts. Yeah. And from that bug club started. And that was just a neighborhood little club that would come over to my house once a week and I would teach them about a different type of bug. And it was so cute. It was so cute. Um, there was just like 10 kids. And then there was a really positive response from those families. Like my son looks forward to this so much every week. My daughter loves it. You know, are we, can we do a field trip for bug club? That's all we want to He It's all he talks about. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is what kids are really after, you know, like this tangible yeah. learning from nature. And so from there, I was like, well, let's take this into something a little bit more 
um, played out, you know, a little bit more drawn out. And um, that's when we started um, doing preschool from my house originally, which is fun. Um, so we used the neighborhood pond and we went on nature walks and observed the seasons and um, I came up with the, or like adapted a curriculum that I loved. Anyways, started very small and it was like that for a year. Uh-huh. And we were running. And you were like a solopreneur, right? You were doing everything. Yeah, I was doing everything. <laughs> um, I also had really small children. And I think, you know, it, with Aubin being in the coaching world, it, your listeners will probably be um, aware of the term buffering. Um, buffering is when you do something to avoid other things. Yeah. Um, and some of those early years with my kids were hard. And I think I worked in part to buffer the hard feelings of early motherhood. Yeah. That's just a reality. Of- and, oh, I love how vulnerable you are. Just admitting like you loved what you were doing, but it was also to kind of buffer how you were feeling about being a mom at the same time. And that comes up with my clients a lot. It's almost like running a business is an escape from being a mom and they still love being a mom, but it's not, um, instead of looking at what they're feeling and seeing how they can change the story and own how they're feeling, we create a business. And that's not that it's bad, but it's so good to be aware of that and move forward with that and create what you're wanting in both parts of your life. So when did your business grow to the point that you started hiring? Because I know you have quite a few employees now. How did that evolve? Yeah, and I'll just say like a tiny bit on the buffering thing um, is that is how it started. And my goal and objective was to accomplish the same things with an attitude of ease and flow and to love myself through it instead of to escape the hard I love that. Yeah. And that's a big transition to make, but it's totally something that's possible. Um, I love that. Yeah. And so that's perfect to say like, this wasn't just always buffering you, you became aware of it and learned to use it to be something good for you too. It doesn't have to be like, Oh, okay. I'm not buffering anymore. Now I'm done. It can Mm -hmm. be something like, Oh, I recognize that's what it was. And I can still use this and love it and have the, the passion in both. Yeah. And we all go through phases of, you know, naturally leaning towards stress and naturally leaning for towards grace. And the times that I lean towards grace, I'm, I'm able to feel confident in my work. And, um, the times that I lean towards stress are the times that I'm like, I need to catch myself, you know, it's a constant little dance. So, yeah, but yeah, we started, I started hiring actually that first year I ended up hiring a Um, co-teacher and I didn't make money from this business for a few years, Um, maybe four years. Was that because you were doing it for free or just because the cost of operation took all the resource you had? Kind of a little of both. Um, looking back, I did not need to hand out as much as I did for free. I loved all the kids in the school that were participating so much. And I gave most of them like <laughs> crazy discounts. And what that 
ended up doing is it um, really put a strain on me, yeah. but also made it so that we were putting all of the resources into paying my co-teacher. Yeah. So looking back, what would you have done differently? Do you think? I think I would have, I didn't charge a crazy amount. I think yeah. I just would have charged all my clients and yeah. just loved them and said, thank you so much for supporting. Yes. <laughs> getting bigger. This is a win-win. Your kid has. I agree with that so much. And I love helping women see, like, I love paying my friends full price. Why would I want a discount from my friend? I'll go get a discount at Walmart. I don't care how much they're getting. I want to give my friends running their own small business as much support and resource as possible. And when I do that, then it's so easy to ask the same of my friends and say like, Hey, this is what I'm offering. Is this what you want? If you want it, great, pay for it. If it's not what you need, fine. But that just helps bring that balance of like, of course we support each other in business as women and it makes it so much easier to grow your business and and not get so strained. Like you said, you were doing having to do all that work and not get any compensation for it yourself. And so what point did that transition for you? Like how how did that go? Um, it took a while for me to I think there was also like a sense of um, that we do to ourselves a lot of like martyrdom of like, I'm working so hard, you know, and it made me feel like I was accomplishing more than I was or something like that. You know, those psychological traps that we mm -hmm. get into. Um, and that wasn't necessary. It really wasn't. I could have paid myself earlier um, if I had really wanted to. Also, something that I'll mention is that I traded money for time longer than um, some people are interested in trading money for time. So I gave my like what would have been my paycheck back to the school to allow for more employees so that my workload was smaller. Okay. So I had the end game as my main yeah. goal. And, and are you glad you did that? Was that what you wanted? Yes. Okay. I'm glad yeah. I did that. Um, I also think that we could have accomplished something very similar if I had taken out a small business loan. Yeah. And so there's the options. Time, yeah. Yeah. At the time I was averse to that and I was all bootstraps and, and I feel good about how I did it. Yeah. But um, there are other options. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's so good to recognize when you have like stories in your head saying that you can't take out loans. And sometimes that is the best option. And it's so good for each person to look at their business, their long-term goals, their capacity, because someone else might not have been able to do it so long without getting any payment themselves. And it might've ended up burning them out and them closing the business down. So they have to look at what's right for them. And I love helping people see that, that there is no universal law of how you have to run a business to make it work. You get to decide yourself and feel like, okay, there are systems and strategies and I'm going to use those, but it comes down to what's the right strategy for me, my business, the model it is of what kind of thing I'm selling versus, and just because someone else, even with the same business might have done it a certain way, you could do it a different way. And that doesn't foretell how it's going to work. You make it work with what you have capacity for. So I yeah. love hearing that story of you recognizing in hindsight, like, okay, I could have paid myself sooner, but I wanted the time freedom more. And so I was willing to pay other people. And that is totally an option. Yeah, it is an option. And just being really clear about what resource you're after um, is really empowering because my goal was to be able to create something where I could spend time with my children that were little and serve the community 
and have some sort of passive income by the time my youngest daughter was in first grade, biological daughter was in first Mm -hmm. grade. Those were my goals. And so to me, it wasn't super necessary for me to earn an income out the gate. I knew that I wanted to earn passive income down the road. And to do that, I needed to hire the right people and have stuff, you know, working um, without me in a way before I could accomplish my goals. So if you're after increased time with your kids or if you're after money or if you're after like what the reasons are that right. you're doing your job, yeah. it makes it so much easier. And by the time I was burnt out of working for free, I was able to hire an operations manager that took a huge load off of me. Mm-hmm. And were you were you still having to not get payment or were you starting to make passive payment by then? Um, so I hired her the third year we were open, third school year. Um, and I think I started making money the fourth year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is really cool to see the timeline in hindsight and just look at how this evolved and the work you put in, but because of the goals you had, it was working mm-hmm. and that to someone else to be like, wait, why are you doing this without getting paid? But that wasn't your objective. And so that's so empowering to see that if you don't know what you're doing this business for because entrepreneurship is so empowering you really are the boss you get to do whatever you want but Mm -hmm. recognizing okay what do i want is so pivotal in making decisions like you did so that it is working for you not for someone else or how someone else would do it but for your life 100 percent. and also having young kids at home I wanted to continue building my resume without having to go in anywhere. Yeah. Um, And that was just something that was important to me at the time. It was like staying relevant. Um, My degree was in social work and I have a huge passion um, just for child welfare and families. And so I felt like this was a terrific way to give back to the community in that way um, and to stay relevant in my field as well. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And this kind of brings up the foster care part because you said five years ago you started foster care, but the school's been going on longer. So how did you, when did you decide to start doing foster care? And how did you know, like, I still could have this business and make that work and I'm ready to give energy to foster care as well? Oh, yeah. Well, I was kind of drowning when we first started foster care. So that's just something to be aware of is like, you know, whenever you add something new, it's going to take some time to adapt to your new time constraints. But um, when we first started doing foster care, we got I had a five year old and a seven year old biological. And then we got a four year old and a four month old um, pair of sisters. And it was perfect because the four-year-old went right into Wasatch Nature School. Yeah. And she was able to get all of the benefits from that. And I think I have now sent six foster kids through my own program. That is so cool. Which is really cool. Really cool. Um, And so she was able to kind of go get those benefits right away. And then I had to rework getting back to having a baby, you know, all the time. And I was really working at the weirdest times, you know, just fitting it in where I could. I honestly didn't have the capacity, but I had so much support. Aubin was a great support during that time. She took took my kids when I was really having a hard time. And 
she, we worked out together in the mornings and that yeah. was so healing for me just to have something that someone was relying on me. We had, we could talk about whatever and it was doing something to keep my body healthy was that, that, uh, system like we talked about before yeah. was that really buoyed me through that time. So like making sure you have your support systems in, in order is really important. Yeah. I love that. And has, this is interesting because I know where you, your, um, your business is going now and the new job you've taken. So kind of say how this has evolved and changed in a different way with the two. Oh yeah. This is a really exciting time. Um, so I started with one employee and now I think we're up to 30 or something like wow. that. Yeah. It's exciting. It's really exciting. Um, and that just, we're servicing about 750 children a year and, um, they're all really well taken care of with these really competent teachers that love the outdoors and love children and love learning through play. It's incredible. Um, part of the upcoming transition is that Wasatch Nature School is going to be moving from an LLC to a 501c3, which is a nonprofit. And we are so thrilled about this. Um, it's just going to open up opportunities for us to partner with companies that we weren't able to partner before um, and to offer scholarships, um, really give back to the community in more ways than we have already um, since it's just been a regular private LLC. And it will still be a private school by application, but um, I don't know, making that jump over to nonprofit is going to be huge for us to be able to yeah. open this is this is fascinating to me because I don't even know the technicalities of how you can switch a company into an LL or a, an LLC into a nonprofit so what led you to this decision like how did you figure out that's what was the right next step for you and with all the work you've done to me it almost sounds like you're just giving it away but I'm sure it's not but tell me exactly what it is yeah. So I'll mention before to give context that as we transition to a nonprofit, I am stepping away from the company and I'll kind of talk about why that's an important piece. Um, so I had the company evaluated by my um, CPA maybe two years ago, something like that, and asked, would it be beneficial for us to transition into a nonprofit? And he said, basically said, you know, your income, gross or net income over paying all of your salaries, everything like that is not high enough that you're paying a lot of taxes on the, on that money. So I would wait until your profit margin is a little higher. So okay. that was interesting. And so we waited and um, we've just been able to get to a comfortable place in the market and deliver exactly what we're hoping to deliver where our profits mar profit margin has gone up just a little bit. Um, and so just to be totally vulnerable and clear, we're at like a 15% profit margin. Uh -huh. And that for a, for a school, that's great. For um, other businesses, please do your research. Yeah. Like, it, because my my objective was not only monetary, and if you want a fifteen percent, yeah. Um, yeah, if you want, it, it just it, the profit margin isn't a good indicator over different. Yeah, uh, with other business models, that wouldn't be very high, but with for yeah. where you are, it it shows the growth and progress of the company for sure. Yeah, it's a big um, it 
it's exactly where we want to be. Yeah. So with that um, change, we were able to go back to the CPA and he said, yes, okay, like you guys have grown enough and we're on a trajectory now that we will be able to continue. Um, We were those first like six years, we were really putting in work to get that foundation done, have everything ready. So we're able to move forward, I think now in a lot of ways, which will allow our profit margin to be higher, but also like will allow us to market ourselves, um, which we could have done all along the way, but to really partner and um, buoy other companies and be supported by other companies and feel really, really strong about Mm -hmm. where we're at with our foundation. And can you help us understand when you are making a higher profit, but are in a nonprofit, what, how does that exactly work? Do, do you get to take any profit as a business owner or do you have to give it to the community? How does that work exactly? Yeah. So that's really interesting, right? It's all kind of, and I mean, do your own research for sure, but um, the profit from when you're in a nonprofit, the profit goes back into the company or to its shareholders. Okay. So the idea with, making it into a nonprofit is that it will bolster the program to be able to provide either scholarships when that money comes back into the program. Um, So it'll allow more people the opportunity to participate uh, or it will allow us to pay our teachers a little bit better so that we have retention, which is great for our community. Um, So there's different ways, but yes, overall it goes back into the business. And so the idea is that nobody own the community owns it, mm-hmm. not a specific person. Right now, I own it as an LLC. And if I were to shut it down, anything in that bank account belongs to me, not to anybody else. Right. But if it's a nonprofit and you're to shut it down, that belongs to the community. Okay. And so it, it's a little tricky. But yeah, there the pros to it for me are I am able to stay as like a consultant and so I will have residual income from my business for the next four years, as well as like whatever's left over in the bank account right now. Um, when we transition, that will be mine. So I don't see it as a financial loss because I'm okay. basically gaining more than I would have if I had sold. Um, okay. With it. That's, over time. And that's so fascinating because when you just use the words of profit and nonprofit, it almost sounds like you're losing, but that's so good to see that you're giving more to the community this way and you're able to gain as you kind of step away with just not selling it, but transitioning it into a nonprofit. That's, that sounds like you really did your research and you're feeling really good about how to expand this company in a way that helps everybody is what I'm hearing basically. Yes. It's going to be a win-win for everyone involved. I'm so excited about it. And the operations manager that I hired on our, in our third year is actually the one stepping up as the executive director. And I just have to like throw out that there was a time in 2020 when I was exhausted of just the grind and then COVID hit and it really didn't seem possible. And she was the one that stepped in with the energy that I needed at the time to help the company survive through that difficult financial time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so sometimes you need somebody, you know, like to come come bring you new energy or bring you new resources some way. That's beautiful. And this is such a fascinating story to see how it's evolved and how it's grown and how, where you are now. And 
Um, you mentioned you've gotten a new job recently. So how does that come into play with all of this? I am so excited. So I mentioned that my my passion is for child welfare and families. And I've been a foster mom for the last uh, five years. And now I'm kind of like going into that next phase of advocating for foster families through an organization called America's Kids Belong. And I live in Utah and I'm going to be the state leader of Utah Kids Belong. So it's just a chapter of America's Kids Belong. Um, and what I'll be doing is facilitating um, basically resources that allow foster parents to burn out <laughs> less. Yeah. So, because it's a very taxing job. And, um, but it's also something that is so needed and so special. And so if we can, you know, some people are called, are called to be foster parents. I say called because I feel like you really have to like get that answer from God that that's the way you should go because it is not for the faint of heart and it's not just a cute service project. It's really hard. Um, So for the people that are called as foster parents, that's a big deal, but also it takes the right circumstances, right? You have to have the right number of seats in your car. You have to have the right number of beds in your house or, or be able to make those things happen. You have to have your marriage at a certain spot or, you know, you can do it as a single person, but that also adds challenges. Um, Your biological kids have to be, you know, in a place where you feel comfortable with whatever you're bringing into your home. So there's a lot of aspects and not everybody can just raise their hand and take in foster children. We are so aware of that. Yes. Um, but there are ways to bolster foster families so that the ones that are able to raise their hand for that um, are able to be successful for longer. So things like providing respite, like Aubin did for me when I had my girls <laughs> at that very first placement, um, or helping you know, with meals or recognizing the mom as a new mother and treating her such, you know, like and um supplies like figuring out supplies and just figuring out maybe driving or yard work or things that when you were drowning last you needed help with and Mm -hmm. so that's where i'm going to come in with utah kids belong and really um develop those programs that's so beautiful and hearing this whole journey of your business and then where you are now with turning it into a nonprofit and taking this new job what I'm hearing is that you've had the same purpose all along and you've done such a good job of like looking at how can I grow? How can I serve others? How can I reach this calling? I feel this purpose and it changes as you grow, as you change, but that doesn't mean anything's wrong or anything bad has happened. It as you've grown and become more aware of what you can do and what, how you want to help just the business you've had and how it's grown has just followed that. And that's such a gift with being your own boss and an entrepreneur is you're getting to do that and listen to that and people can get overwhelmed by it, but it's actually like part of what you want and getting to have that and say, I want to be home with my young kids. I want to help the community. I want to make it more accessible to more people. I want to help more foster families. You're just always doing that in different ways. And as you've lived this over these years, how have you learned to listen and be aware? Because I know it's a process to know, like, what am I supposed to do and make big decisions like you have? How have you learned to really 
listen to inside and know what you're supposed to do in following this passion and purpose that you have found? That's a big question. Um, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> I definitely love to talk things over with other people, but really when it comes down to it, it has to come from within, like you're saying. And um, so I have a list of priorities that I run every decision through and come up with, you know, where it lies on the scale. Like I do it just with numbers and say, this is my top priority. This is my one through 10. And I run it through a weighted scale. And that really works well for like a first draft for me to say, am I just really excited about this? And it makes absolutely no sense because I'm totally in that boat sometimes. Or is it, this could be viable. Let's do some more research. Or mm -hmm. this is a no brainer. You know, so that's where I always start. And then after doing some research, I always use prayer as my biggest decision making tool and really try and figure out like, okay, Heavenly Father, I feel like my calling is to support children and families and um and but put my own family first. Like, does this support that and try and get have that open communication? with him. And then I, it's surprising, but I feel like after that, I always have people that have an opinion about whatever I'm doing. And they're like, Oh, didn't you just do this other thing? I thought like I went to coaching school, right. And with Abed and loved it. And I still have right now a couple of private coaching clients that I just do on the side. Um, my favorite two clients, though, are my two kids. Yeah. And um, also the, the skills that I learned in coaching school have really allowed me to, um, I don't know, facilitate the communication skills that I needed in order to take this next job. Right. And, yeah. And so everything works together beautifully. So for so, you know, to take it to a person or to try and trust yourself. To me, I can't leave it at that, like somebody else's opinion or even my own, because I'm like, okay, big guy, like if you know what's going to bring me closer to you and you know how this plan's all going to come together, tell it to my heart and see if, you know, if this is a good step. And sometimes what seems like a really good step is uh, no, you know, wait till later. And it's really confusing and painful. And sometimes it seems like a very scary step is uh, jump off the cliff and go for it. You can do it. I'll help you along the way. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Did I answer your question? Yeah, no, beautifully. And I love that you brought up that because, yeah, we went to coaching school together. And I, I've always been so grateful that because you encouraged me to get out of my comfort zone and do it. And it's changed my life. And it, our lives are coaching lives went in such different directions, but you were supposed to do it. And it's helped you be where you are today with your purpose and me with mine in completely different ways. And mm -hmm. it wasn't obvious at the time because we're like, yeah, we're going to run a business together and it's going to be so easier and fun. And it didn't end up that way. And we've both felt so much peace with that because sometimes why we think we're going to do things for the direction we're going isn't what it ends up being. But that doesn't mean we were wrong to think that we were supposed to go to coaching school at all. We both felt really good about it. And we thought it was for the reason to run a business together. And it wasn't. And that's okay. And that's helped us be where we both are today and confidently say we love each other. And we both ended up where we were supposed to be. 
Yes, a hundred percent. And I'm a big believer in you'll get answers from the Lord that will bring you closer to him. Not that will be the most fun, not that will be the most successful. Like I wondered for so long, like why do people get confirmations to marry someone and then get divorced? I really believe that God is in those little details of, I will, you know, help you on the path to get closer to me. Whatever trials may come from this decision are the right ones. And so yes, or so no, or whatever. And the trials that follow and the successes that follow are the path that will lead you closest to him, not necessarily the path to the most money or the most time or the most success or the most happiness or any of that. But, but it leads you to the path that you want to be on in the end and to grow and to become the person you really are and closer to him too. And it's, it's always fun in hindsight to look back and be like, Oh, now it all makes sense. And it's all worked (laughs) out. And sometimes in the moment we're like, what the heck? But wherever you are listening where you're on your journey, learning to trust that everything is working how it's supposed to, you haven't done anything wrong. Like, I love to tell people that, like, what if you've never done anything wrong? And that like trips people out so much. Like, no, I've made lots of mistakes. But what if they weren't mistakes? What if it's put you exactly where you're supposed to be today, where you are, and you can move forward with that and grow and keep following the path that's for you, whatever that is. And it takes so much of the shame and worry out of it. And just, you can enjoy the journey so much easier that way. And I, I think with what you're saying goes right along with what I say with that of just, you haven't done anything wrong. Look at all the cool things that have happened that have come together to put you where you are right now. And I think Britt's story is such a great example of that, of where she started with helping her son not be afraid of wasps anymore to having this beautiful <laughs> school with so many people involved that she's turning into this beautiful nonprofit to help the community, her, everyone involved and taking over this organization with foster care. It's just, she's lived her purpose and it's looked, she's gone in so many directions. And yet in hindsight, it just looks like this beautiful journey and learning to just enjoy the journey and, and follow those promptings and intuition of what you should do. You won't make any mistakes and you'll get to enjoy and grow And like you said, it's not always just about the money. It's not always just about the success. It's about, is this what I could do to help people? Is this what I could do to be where I'm supposed to be in two years, in five years? And it'll just, it'll help you progress that way of just trusting that everything's working and you're you're on the right path for you. A hundred percent. Do you mind if I throw out a a book that I love? Oh, please. Yes. We always love references to books. (laughs) There's a book called The Dip, a little book that teaches you when to quit and when to stick. Oh, I love it. I haven't heard of that. I haven't heard of that one. And it's by, oh dear, let me see, Seth Godin. And it's an awesome book of teaching you when hard makes sense to push through and when hard is just making you tired and poor. (laughs) Yeah. What was Um, the name again? Can you say it again? Yeah, it's called The Dip, a little book that the dip. teaches you when to quit and when to stick. Okay. So is it good. short? Is that why it's called a little book? Yes, or? it is. It's a short book. <laughs> okay, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that sounds like a good read for everyone just to really 
because like you said, you've gone lots of different directions as you've grown this business and knowing how to make those decisions and when it's hard in a good way or it's hard and it's hurting you and holding you back is so good to have. Yeah, yeah. That'll be awesome. Thank you. Is there anything else you wanted to share, Britt, as we wrap up? It's been so good to have you today. Um, no, something keeps popping in my mind, and I'll share it. That um, the book Rich Dad Poor Dad is one that I have read and loved. And one of the examples that he uses in there is that he, one of his first jobs was, I think it was either for Xerox or Kinko's, something like that, like mm -hmm. that is totally unrelated to what he does at this point. And he mentioned that when he started that job, he had an objective and that objective was to learn how to sell. And it had nothing to do with, he does real estate and stuff now and like investments, nothing to do with that, but he wanted to learn the skill. And I think that's something that has helped motivate me along the way is that when you embark on something new, figure out what it is that you want to be equipped with after that experience um, moving forward so that even if it's not a good fit for your time, your money, your situation, that you come away with a skill that makes that time worth it. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I can see examples of that along the way in your story of how it might have not been the end objective, but it was worth it because you learned something and gained an ability or foundation that you needed for the real objective. Yeah, totally. That's so beautiful. Well, thank you for coming today. Is there any way people can know if they wanted to come to the nature school or wanted to know more about foster care, like where they could contact you and yeah, learn more? Um, I can, I'll send this over to Aubin, but the website for the nature school is www.wasatchnatureschool.com. Um, and you can also follow Nature School on Instagram at Wasatch Nature School. So we're active both of those places, or you can email in at wasatchnatureschool at gmail.com. Or if you want to learn more about foster care or want to connect with me, I'm happy to put my personal email out there too. It's tofferb at gmail.com. So okay, awesome. I'll put all those in the show yeah. notes. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. And thank you so much for coming here today. I just love Brett. We've been friends for a long time and we've had a fun journey together. And I just love her story of perseverance and working hard, but for a reason, because if you meet her, she's always has a smile on her face. She's always so kind and loving to everyone. And she just is a great example of you create what you want to create. And I love helping more women see that, that it's totally possible to do what you want and create it because you want it. You feel called to do it. It is possible and no one else has to approve. No one else has to tell you how you will figure out the journey for yourself because you feel like it's something you want. And I just loved hearing the story of how this has all happened for you specifically with your business, with your foster care and with just living your life and being who you are. So, Thank you again. And I hope this story has helped anyone listening to see that you have this in you too. And I will talk to you next week. Thank you, Robin. Thank you so much for listening today. And if this episode has helped you at all, all I ask is that you share it with somebody or leave a review. Doing these little things can change people's lives and it makes a big impact on how many people are able to hear what I am teaching and help us all thrive as women in business. All right, I will see you next week.